Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. This is Your Money with me, Michelle Martin. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. Happy International Cat Day, Ryan Huang. <laughs> Happy International Cat Day, Michelle. And here's a fun fact for you. What does Isaac Newton, the guy who discovered gravity with apparently an apple, what does he have to do with cats? His household was ruled by cats. As well, along like uh, 18% of UK households are very ruled close. by cats. Yeah. Yes, very close. <laughs> so he invented the cat door. What? The door which has a flap where your cat <gasps> and every dog can go in and out of. Because back in the day when he was busy in his lab in Cambridge, he was, you know, of course, busy with experiments and whatnot. So mm-hmm. he was quite fed up with his cats scratching on the doors, trying to get in and out. And then he had enough. I'm just going to make a door for the cat. And there you have it, the door that goes in and out. No, that's the cat Why? going in and out by himself. That is a brilliant invention, don't you think? Yes, and it has pretty much stayed the same all this while. And wow, Isaac Newton has something to do with cats. And now we know he was a cat guy. Are you a cat guy or a dog guy? <laughs> I am more of a cat person. I'm okay with dogs, but I'm more of a cat person because they pretty much do their own thing and I am all for low maintenance. How about you, Michelle? Well, I think cats are cool. But even if you're a dog person like me, I think today's a great day to be kind and show some respect mm. and love to a little furry cat. We're in thick of earnings seasons, though. No cats in today's market view, I have to say. This morning, we turn, well, a couple of cool cats, I have to say. We're going to turn our attention to the world of real estate investment trusts. Several REITs have just opened their books, and I have to say... Not a pretty picture. We're looking at significant declines in payouts to investors. Take Paragon REIT, for example. It owns retail properties here in Singapore as well as in Australia. But Paragon REIT's distributions per unit are down more than 15%. The story is even worse at Elite Commercial REIT, which focuses on property in the UK. Elite Commercial REIT's uh, biggest tenant is a UK government unit, the DWP, or Department for Work Pensions. But having a public sector tenant hasn't helped Elite Commercial. Its distributions per unit of more than 30%. So, Ryan, we're looking at very different sectors of the REIT industry. Malls in Singapore, government buildings in the UK. Mm. But the results are all similar, down... Do you see a common thread here in terms of what could be causing their poor performance? There is some common ground and also some specific factors. So let's look at the common ground here. And it's a very familiar theme that's been playing out for the REITs, which is higher financing costs. So that is a headwind for these REITs and also higher operating costs for some of these properties. So that eats into the bottom line. And if you look at how this has affected the likes of Paragon REIT, the Income available for distribution was down 13.8%. And this is with financing costs also being hiked by 14.7 million to 25.5 million. So it is a big hike. So affecting Paragon REIT on the front. And for Elite Commercial REIT, it posted a drop of DPU of over 26%. So that is the common ground there. Uh, I guess on a bright side for Elite Commercial REIT, there is plans to divest more of its properties. In fact, it has divested two vacant properties at a premium and maybe more to come um, because this, it feels, is a strategic way to raise capital and also just get around holding these properties which are vacant. So why hold them if you're not using them? So 
just capital recycling in that sense. Mm -hmm. So that is interesting to see that it has managed to sell it at a premium because for some of these REITs have been noticing divesting as a way to raise capital has come at a cost, which is selling it at uh, a less than ideal price. But for um, elite commercial REIT, they have managed to get a good price. So it's a reflection of their portfolio as well. Lendlease Global Commercial Reads also reporting a drop in distributions. In fact, Lendlease's numbers, Ryan, they're not as bad as Paragon's mm-hmm. or Elite Commercials, but unit holders can still expect to receive 8% less in payouts for the first half of this year. I want to take a step back and, and ask for your overview overall on the REIT sector now. Yeah, this has another angle to it. And you mentioned a drop of 8% in DP for land lease. It's another familiar theme for many of these recent overseas exposure, which is the exposure to currency movements. And this was a factor being flagged by land lease. It managed to see the euro weaken against the Sing dollar, which translates to some pressure on its bottom line. And this... Um, was because of its exposure in Milan. It has a an asset called Sky Complex. And of course, um, it is seeing some bright spots, partly due to higher gross revenue from its acquisition of GEM. So I think this is going to be the flavor going forward. Um, these M&As, in some sense, in the REIT space, driven by the pressure to recycle their capital as well. And with higher financing costs, I think that is going to motivate many of them to start thinking about recycling their assets, finding new ways to raise money, maybe Mm. through unit placements as well. Mm -hmm. So I think going forward, this is the expectations from at least broadly the REIT space in Singapore. And I think a lot could happen. I think we're going to touch on this as well. This ongoing debate about the internalization of the REIT manager. Oh yeah, we're going to get there in a while. But just on your point of financing, higher financing, I think it's worth noting that not all REITs are suffering from higher interest uh, rates. The healthcare REIT Parkway Life has reported strong profits and a 3% increase to all unit holders. And the hospitality play, Capitaland mm. Ascot Trust, is paying 19% more. Uh, Capitaland Ascot Trust, by the way, has been on a real spending spree and it's purchased 14 properties over the past year or so. All right, now let's turn to that other read that is making headlines. And yes, that is Sabana read. Sabana has finally held a much-anticipated and contentious extraordinary general meeting. Shareholders were faced with two questions. We've kept you primed on this. One, whether to fire the REITs managers. And two, whether management should be internalized instead of being run by an external company. Now, internal managers, the norm in the US, you heard Willie and I discuss this yesterday as well, uh, but not here, but perhaps that tide is turning because shareholders sided with courts management yesterday over the ESR group. They voted for change. Some 57% of Sabana shareholders voted to remove the current managers. Ryan, there is no love lost though between <laughs> Quartz, which forced yesterday's votes and the ESR group, but I understand Quartz has offered an olive branch to the other side. How so? Yeah, first resolution like you outlined, remove the REIT manager so that kind of raises questions. What's going to happen to my job if I'm in the REIT manager? So this is where they've extended an olive branch. Hey guys, if you're keen, stay on to become the next management team. So this is a prospect, I guess, also strategic. They need someone familiar with the properties and the ins and outs of the entire Sabana REIT um, assets. 
and processes. So why not just keep on holding on to the old guys in that sense? Yeah, it would solve the problem of uh, an extensive look around for um, talent there. Now, most analysts expected the ESR group to come out on top yesterday, largely because Quartz's call to follow the U.S. REIT management model is largely unprecedented here. But the Volari group, they're a Swiss conglomerate, they own 16% of Sabana, is believed to have joined Quartz in a vote for change. So I guess uh, the next question is, what happens now? Yeah, the context to the resolution number one being voted for is also on the basis that the current management has not been doing a good enough job. So that's why they want to get rid of that, I guess, model. So the second resolution is to bring in the internalization of that read management function, which they feel, at least Quartz argues, Mm. is going to align um, efficiencies as well as the interests of both the manager, unit holders, and the REIT. So that is the idea here. So what happens next? There is pretty much a hole because the REIT manager has been voted out. So they need to find a replacement. And it has already been flagged quite some time that it's going to take some time. And Sabana REIT has said it could take 12 months at least or longer to just get the people in place, figure out what to do. Mm. So part of the process will be to hire an advisor, a mm-hmm. professional advisor on the process, and then go about looking for an interim manager. And this is quite unprecedented in Singapore. The process, what it takes, you know, the due diligence required. So it might take some time. And this is going to weigh on, I think, the unit holders and potentially on the unit price as well. What's going to happen next? All these question marks. Lots of questions. We are on new ground. In fact, investors, I think, will be watching closely to see just how long this transition to internal managers takes and how much it costs. And will Sabana Reed need to sell any assets to pay for it all? Lots of questions still remaining, but what do you think is going to be the hardest part of Sabana Reed's transition? Yeah, Michelle, you touched on this. How long, how expensive, and how uncertain? I think that pretty much sums it up. Hmm. Because a lot of these processes will cost money. And this money will have to come from Sabana REIT. So it is pretty much reimbursed by all these unit holders who voted yes and also no. Uh, so that has to come from Sabana REIT. So it could lead to pressure on the unit price. And you pointed this out as well. They might have to find the money somewhere, maybe divesting something. So it's a big question about how much is this going to cost? How expensive could this potentially get? And this is a big question mark because you don't know how long it's going to last. So you've got that in focus. And also the other uncertain part about it is you've got all these um, interim REIT managers, the ones that's just been voted out of, will be deemed interim REIT managers. So you can't hold on to them if they don't want to stick around. They can leave for other jobs. So you have that potential uncertainty if some of these guys decided, hey, I don't want to work here if there's something hanging over me. I'm not sure if my job's going to be secure in the next few months. I'll just find a new job. That is a potential scenario. Um, Staff abandoning their posts. So that is something you have to take into account. Um, You also have to take into account the current arrangements. Many of these arrangements, including agreements with tenants, agreements with banks, loans, were made from the previous understanding, the previous model of what was in place. Now with this new unprecedented structure, some of these banks may be asking questions. 
Is the premise still the same? Maybe I will ask for my money back now or earlier. So all these questions will now start to come to fall and it will be interesting to see how unit prices will reflect the uncertainty. Yeah, the legalese, the fine um, phrasing and fine lines in documentation, uh, as you point out, is going to be important as well because those have to change. Uh, Sabana Reed will likely need to change its trust deed and that needs a 75% vote, which at this point is not assured. So lots of questions there. We'll keep an eye out on the s Reed market for you, of course. Let's turn to the US now, where stocks rallied overnight. The Dow Jones Industrial Average jumped more than 1%. The S&P 500 and NASDAQ finished higher as well. Berkshire Hathaway's strong earnings helped lift the market. We talked a little about Warren Buffett's quarterly results on the show yesterday. Uh, Willie shared what he would invest in when it comes to Buffett's portfolio. Um, well, Warren Buffett's stock has hit a new time, a new all-time high. Berkshire Hathaway shares jumped about 3.5% overnight to nearly 552000 US dollars a share. Now, meanwhile, investors keeping a close eye on those treasury markets, bond yields have been particularly volatile of late. That 10-year note jumping to about 4.2% before it dropped off a little bit, leveling off. Ryan, how concerned should we be by rising yields and volatility in the treasury markets? Yeah, just to give you the context of these moves, so if you look at the 10-year note, the yield has been moving from 392 to 4.19%. This was on Friday before retracing back to 403 that's how much it swung. If you look at the 30-year bond, it rose from 4.03 to 4.2, hmm. which is a weekly high. Uh, so you've got in the mix at some point, the 30-year you hitting 4.31%. So it has been swinging higher, but largely it does show that markets are trying to price in these expectations of where rates are going, especially with all the talk about inflationary pressures starting to moderate. So that is influencing some of these longer-term yield bonds. So that is first the the context of these moves. So what's going to happen? How much will they move? We'll come to a few factors. One is the upcoming bond sales by the US government. So how much it will release and in what pace that will affect the price of bonds and in terms and in time and in turn the use of these bonds as well. That will affect the rates and also the expectations of where inflation is going. If you've got more readings of a robust economy, high inflation, that could lead to expectations that the Fed will keep rates higher for longer. Mm. So again, another factor for keeping rates higher. And then on the other end of things, you've got things like the recent downgrade of the US credit rating by Fitch Ratings. So that has, to some extent, a level of volatility because of the knee-jerk reaction, even though some critics say it's by and large a cosmetic thing. You also have all the talk about a recession. If you have more people penciling a recession, that is another factor that will affect expectations on where yields can go. And then if you look elsewhere, you've got the um, movements of other markets, which could then lead to capital flows based on how different the attractiveness of their bonds are. For example, the Japanese bonds market has been attracting more inflow because of expectations of the policy to be tightened by the BOJ. So that is around the BOJ's plans for youth curve control. 
So you've got all these factors coming together. And I think by and large, you've got the expectations that the volatility will be priced in to some extent and you've got a range-bound path going forward. So in that sense, for now, based on what we know, there Mm. isn't a big cause of concern for uh, what's happening in a bond space unless someone drops a ball and makes a big mistake in communication or policies or surprises people. Um, That is the, I guess, um, one uncertain factor to look out for. Really great overview there of uh, U.S. Treasuries. Some analysts are concerned that higher interest rates could start to hurt corporate profits. SBI Asset Management Stephen Innes says companies may need to start devoting more resources to paying their debts, particularly as they refinance at higher rates. And that is, as Innes notes, flat out bad for earnings. All right, let's take a look at some earnings now. We're going to do this up or down style. Ryan, are you ready? Let's go. Let us start with the oil giant Saudi Aramco. All right, Saudi Aramco is going to be a down for me. Mm -hmm. Net profit is down by nearly 40%. And this in the backdrop of falling crude oil prices, weaker refining and chemicals margins. So kind of a reflection of the state of where the global economy is going. Indeed, I join you there with that down call. Lower energy prices have clearly hurt Saudi Aramco's profits down nearly 40% for the second quarter of the year. That is actually slightly above expectations. And despite the drop, the Saudi oil giant still netted more than $30 billion. Next up, the data giant Palantir. All right, I am liking the story for Palantir. It is raising its forecast for this year for profits. It's also authorizing a share buyback and it's talking up the potential for it to jump on the AI bandwagon, calling it transformative and it can be the for front runner for being able to capitalize on all these AI software. So I like the story here that the CEO is painting. So yeah, it's an up for me. It does look good. Yeah, I join you there with that. And look at them in after hours trade up on news that the company's revenue has jumped 13%. Our Palantir's numbers definitely have come in better than expected. In fact, the company is planning a billion-dollar share buyback program. Palantir shares are down over the past week, but they are still up. 180% since the beginning of the year. Healthy numbers, those are. Okay, we haven't talked about this story in a while. How's Tesla looking? All right. There is actually quite a, lit, a bit unpacked here. So I would be broadly going down with Tesla. So the bad news here is, is CFO, Zach Kurthorn, is stepping down after 13 years. And this is a big thing that's shaking up the EV space, at least Tesla, because... He has been seen as the go-to guy if Elon Musk, for some reason, is not around. And he might not be around because he is involved in so many things, including a potential cage match, which he might go for surgery for, and who knows, maybe surgery after the cage match as well. So that is just leaving Tesla in a bit more uncertain times. There is one silver lining is that he is going to be staying around until the end of the year. So it kind of reflects that it's not a... Firing or sacking. Mm. No, they are still on so called good terms, I guess, because he's sticking around to transition. Mm. So 
I would broadly go down on this Tesla news. Yeah, I join you with that that call down as well. So CFO Zach Kirkcorn, as you heard, is stepping down. He spent four years in the role, but 13 years overall with Tesla. And some analysts have described him as, quote, the adult in the room. You know, the person who could balance out the whims of Elon Musk. So markets are not happy. Kirkcorn is leaving Tesla. Clearly, Tesla shares fell 1% overnight. Next up, let's look at the Singapore property developer OUE. All right, I am looking at this and it's not looking good. It is reporting a drop of 54.6% in net profit Hmm. on lower fair value of investments. And this is actually another theme that's been playing out for many of these REITs. The portfolio under pressure because of valuations. So OUE is down for me. Yeah, for sure. Look at that 54% plunge in net profits for first half of the year. So OUE has been hit by several factors, including, as you mentioned, high financing charges and lower valuations as well. Keep an eye out on OUE and how that story uh, develops. Singapore Airlines. Wow, it's always been a slew of good news for SIA these days. It mm-hmm. is looking to ramp up flights to key markets from October or rather from March to October next year. And bear in mind, it has not even reached pre-pandemic levels yet. And it is already recording net profits, record net profits. So what more when you have even more flights coming on board? In fact, actually, when they add uh, these destinations, so Singapore Airlines says it's ramping up capacity, adding flights to a number of destinations, including Beijing, Shanghai, Perth and Melbourne. And in some cases, this will bring the routes back to pre-pandemic levels. Mm. So definitely an up for SIA. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Market View. Stay with us. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.